All right, thanks for joining us. Nine o'clock hour is underway. The last hour of 2019 for the DJ and PK show. We'll be back with you, obviously, on Thursday. We're off tomorrow. Big bowl game today for the Utes. Excited for them to see what they can do as they get an opportunity to get back on the field. I'm in San Antonio. DJ is on the way. Also in San Antonio. Oh, my gosh. You should have seen him on the Riverwalk last night. He was the guest of honor, Chris Camrani from The Athletic. Chris, have you recovered from that night on the Riverwalk? I've recovered from every night on the Riverwalk, but barely, PK, just barely. All right, Chris Camrani is joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung tab for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. So last night what we did, I mean, I know you have somebody here with you, so you weren't available. Uh, We went out. And we had what we called the Last Supper last night. You know what I'm referring to? Oh, yeah. The la- I hope Kyle Whittingham was there. No, he was not there. <laughs> <laughs> Me I'm, and Dirk I'm, offended, Facebook. I'm offended, that I wasn't, I'm offended <laughs> that I wasn't invited either, man. But that's okay. We'll, we'll have to do something back in Salt Lake. Dirk Facer set it up for the D News. Or Kurt Karagthorpe, who is retiring today after 30-plus years. The guy who hired me. Back in 1993, when he was the sports editor, brought me aboard at that point. And this is it, his swan song. He's going out tonight. So we had the Last Supper, where we took him out to a Mexican place. And of course, he barely eat, barely ate and barely <laughs> said anything. You know, nothing, right. nothing, nothing, nothing changes. And then uh, it was right next. It was on the River Walk. And I walked out. I took a phone call. And I walked out on the uh, Riverwalk area because it was noisy. And I saw some of the Whittingham family was getting ready to jump on the uh, riverboats uh, things that they have, the little ferries. And it it was packed, man. I I don't know if you've been to San Antonio, but I've decided as far as bowl games, the number one thing that I care about in bowl games is warmth. And we've got warmth. So I'm happy. Yeah, I um, I mistakenly packed three pairs of pants and just one pair of shorts, and I could have done done it the opposite way because I haven't had to wear pants. I haven't even been professional enough to wear pants for the press conferences because I'm relishing in this heat. So it's <laughs> uh, it's 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 been uh, it's been ideal. I think if it, if it's not California or your home state of Arizona, I think we'll have to resort to uh, handling Texas just fine in the future. Yeah, maybe Florida's a little a long way to go, but uh, yeah, in that regard, if you if you're not going to play in the playoff or one of the major bowls, go where it's warm, and at least for the Utes, they got a brand name in Texas. You know, you look over this Texas team, and you see that they're seven and five. That doesn't jump out at you, but then you see, you know, you look a little bit closer. They lost to obviously LSU is just on fire, and they lost to Oklahoma. And those are two top four teams anyway. Those are two of the losses. And then, you know, Baylor was up there in the top 10 this year. Iowa State, they lost to those teams. So I'm, uh, you know, when it first came out, I'm not uh, studying Texas football the way we study our teams uh, and then in the Pac-12. And so I'm thinking maybe Texas is a little bit better than the record. What do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think um, anytime you can play two of the college playoff teams to a one-possession game over four quarters, that means you're a pretty good team. 
And granted, Texas has had a lot of injuries this year, but they're finally getting healthy. Tom Herman said so yesterday at the coaches' press conference. Uh, some of the guys that they were without the last few weeks of the regular season, they anticipate playing today. So that's going to be a big boost for them. And um, Utah's had a great season, but at the end of the day, the two best teams that they've played, they've lost to. So I think this is going to be a huge test for Utah. I think a lot of Utes fans assume that because Texas is 7-5, and five, it should be an easy night. I am not of that mindset. I think Utah's in for a dogfight, and um, I think Utah needs to prove that they can beat a good team in 2019. Okay, so can I argue then the two best teams the Utes played, they lost, and maybe the two or three, maybe even four best teams that Texas played, they lost to? So you're going to play devil's advocate? Surprise. Surprise. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I think there's uh, I think there's an argument to be made there for sure. But I think you could argue too that the caliber of opponent that Texas has played in 2019 during the regular season is much higher than, than Utah's. But yeah. I think once you get down to that, you're just kind of um, paring it down to uh, who lost better, which uh, is a little too first takeish for me. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, these are two teams that should probably be motivated to, to finish out the year right. Uh, for Utah, it's a shot at a top-10 finish. It's a shot at a 12-win season. And, um, you know, as we heard after the Pac-12 championship game loss, no team that has ever lost in the Pac-12 championship game has gone on to win in its suing bowl. So teams are 0-8. So Utah has history against them going into this game against Texas tonight. All right, Chris Camerani from The Athletic joining us. How much do you buy that as a legitimate as something that I can grab hold on and said this is an issue, the hangover effect, whatever it might be, whatever the reasons are, or it's just a, it's a fluke and it just so happens and, that they're 0-8? Yeah, no, I think it's a trend. I mean, I think 0-3, 4-5 maybe, but 0-8, I mean, you're, you're approaching the double-digit mark, which means that there's something there to be studied and analyzed. And it makes sense. I mean, anytime you're that close to a Rose Bowl or in Utah's case, uh, calls playoff berth and you come up short, it's probably hard to get up for that last game, even if it's somewhere not in Southern California or in Atlanta or, or Glendale. So it's, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how this team comes out. I think the fact that all of the seniors are playing in this last game says something. Um, you know, Kyle Whittingham did reveal yesterday that Jalen Johnson ended 2019 playing banged up which makes sense now even more sense now that he's opted to sit out this bowl game so it's uh it's going to be tough for utah obviously against a talented team and sam ellinger and devin duvernay and colin johnson i mean any, anytime utah's faced a good set of wide receivers in 2019 they struggled they did so against sc they did so against oregon and utah's going to have to do so undermanned without jalen johnson and julian blackman okay so how big of a concern is that then Oh, it's huge. I, I mean, I think not to, not to pick on, you know, Josh Nurse and Tariq Lewis, but anytime you're on the other side of Jalen Johnson, you're going to get the bulk of the action. And, you know, they've played well in some games and they struggled in some games. And it's going to be a, a huge matchup. I'm fascinated to see what they do with Javelin Gidry. Do they flex him outside? Do they keep him inside to, to face Devin DuVernay? Um, how does Terrell Burgess line line up? Is he going to stay in that you know prototypical strong safety spot? He has a history of playing nickel. Does he flex down and play in kind of a hybrid safety nickel role in this defensive scheme for Morgan Scally tonight? Uh, I, I'm also fascinated to see how Utah handles uh, 
facing Sam Ellinger because they haven't faced a dual threat quarterback the caliber of Sam this year. And even Bradley and I said the other day, like Sam runs like a running back and a fullback combined. So that's not ideal if you're a defense facing a quarterback who can beat you over the top and beat you with his legs. Yeah, I thought Chris Camaroni joining us that that's what put Utah's defense on its heels early against Oregon is Herbert having a couple of runs. I don't know if it was designed that they thought maybe they saw something there or the way the coverage was and he saw an alley, so he took off because the receivers are recovered. But I thought Herbert's running opened it up for Oregon and allowed them to get a lead and put Utah's on on its heels so you, you see the opportunity anyway for Texas to do that early. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Utah really hadn't faced a read, a read option look this year. I mean, if, if Arizona had employed Khalil Tate full-time in that game at Tucson, you know, last month, maybe they would have seen more of it. But he was getting flexed in and out with, with the freshman quarterback down there. So it's like they, they pretty much faced drop-back quarterbacks you know, throughout the the 2019 season. And, and what Oregon was able to do was able to capitalize on Herbert's, you know, I hate the cliche sneaky athleticism, but he, he proved to be able to gash Utah early on, and that opened up the throw game, and it opened up running lanes for C.J. Verdell. So tonight's going to be a, a huge test for Utah because I think Ellinger is going to be the most athletic quarterback that Utah faces in 2019, and he's a guy that's not afraid to pull it down and run it's not even going to be a decoy type thing. Like there are going to be designed runs for him. And that's something Utah is going to have to account for. Just Chris Camarani of the athletic who is in San Antonio. I saw him with my own eyes yesterday wearing shorts. I was personally appalled that he wore shorts to the press conference, but I'll let that go. I mean, that's just Chris being an individual. He's got to do his thing. So I was neatly attired, but nevertheless, you do what you you got to do. You brought your golf clubs. I didn't bring my golf clubs. I did not bring my golf clubs. Oh. I should have. <laughs> but they're in, Fe- they're in Phoenix, aren't they, PK? Yes. Yes, they are. That's, that's, that's where they belong this time of year. So um, how much do you buy that? All right. Utah, as we know, had those struggles in November. They conquered them these last two years, particularly this year, where they went undefeated. They won four games, had a bye, and won 4-0 and in November. So now, if they were to lose tonight – last two years they would be 0-4 in December so if they lose is December the new November I don't know I mean that's a good question I think the caliber of opponent just gets better in December so that's possibly why I think last year should have an asterisk next to it um, because Utah was without Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss um, they, they play Washington to a great defensive battle and lose on an absurd play that you'll never see again in the history of college football and then in the holiday bowl they have a dynamite first half and then just can't stop turning the ball over in the second half with a bunch of backups and you know now one of those backups is is being transitioned to the safety spot but i think 2019 is going to be uh depending on how this game goes tonight it could be remembered as a a great year or or a, a kind of a bittersweet year because this team was so close at doing something that no other Utah team has ever done. And if they come up, you know, short in the Pac-12 championship game and against Texas in the Alamo Bowl, I think it'll be uh, fair or unfair. It'll be a what-if year when we look back on it. Okay. Could I argue that that would be the case either way? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. We're always going to think what if 
because of the loss to Oregon and especially the way LSU manhandled Oklahoma, I, I, I know for a fact I would probably bet my very depressing life savings on it that Utah would not give up seven touchdowns in the air in the first half to LSU in a college football playoff. I'm not saying Utah would win. I would definitely pick LSU to beat Utah in a playoff. But the fact that Utah could have been there and could have changed the kind of the landscape of the Pac-12 and, and been the, the bellwether team for the, the turnaround of the Pac-12 would have been ideal. Um, but, you know, they didn't. They got manhandled. Um, I blame Oregon, really, for losing to ASU because if they had beaten ASU, we would be in Pasadena, and we would be talking in Pasadena, nothing against San Antonio, but um, Oregon would have gone east and played LSU, and we would have been enjoying ourselves in beautiful Southern California. But, again, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of revisionist history there. But, yeah, I, th- I think I think your argument could, could stand, but I just think if they're able to end this year on a positive note and beat a, a Hallmark team like Texas, it would go a long way for the youth in the long run. Now, for The Athletic, you did a piece on Jake Bentley. Is that correct? Yep. What'd you find out? Um, nothing that, I mean, nothing earth-shattering. We, uh, we are lucky enough to have a South Carolina beat writer, um, Josh Kendall, who's covered Jake for a long time, and he did a pretty good you know, exit feature story on when Jake decided to leave and, and transfer to Utah. But I was able to talk to you know folks down in uh, Opelika, Alabama, where Jake's dad worked at Auburn, which is just nearby, and just learning about how he grew up and grew up in a football family. Um, it's not hard to see why Utah was attracted to uh, getting Jake out here for obvious reasons. Andy Ludwig recruited him when he was at Vanderbilt, went down to Opelika and saw Jake firsthand, developed a, you know, a good recruiting relationship with Jake's parents. Um, his dad is now the tight ends coach at South Carolina. And, uh, yeah, it's not hard to see why Kyle and Andy wanted him. I mean, he's a guy with 33 career SEC starts and 55 touchdowns and probably too many interceptions, but you're playing an SEC defense every week, and anytime you throw it, that's going to happen. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see how quickly <laughs> – I don't want to, like, make an assumption that Jake is going to win the job early on. I just don't think you ha- you bring in a guy with that much experience for him to sit. So I think – Obviously, spring will be a uh, will be wearing out a tired storyline of Jake versus Cam Rising, but I think when it's all said and done, uh, Jake will go into the summer as the number one. Why didn't he want to stay in South Carolina and compete for the starting job? What was going on there? I just think he wanted to change the scenery. I think uh, it, it's it's kind of hard to get a true gauge when you aren't able to get a hold of the young man or too many people close to him like I haven't been able to yet but it's uh, I think just the change of scenery thing and then Kyle Whittingham talked about this at the signing day press conference it's quarterback is the most volatile position in terms of the portal and, and movement and there is only one quarterback that plays per snap and uh, Jake wanted one more shot to showcase his abilities and I think he did all that he could in South Carolina and I think he wanted to uh, try something else out and He's coming out west to uh, be able to do that one more year in Salt Lake. So it was just a Ludwig factor. I won the Utes are a good program, and I guess Tyler Huntley being a senior, all those things into one. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I think it's. I'm sure Jake and his family surveyed some some Power Five conference teams, and you know, figured out who gives him the best chance of playing well, what the fit is, 
Um, I mean, obviously Jake can throw it. He has a, has a monster arm, but obviously he wants to be part of a balanced offense, which Andy Ludwig provides. And uh, it's no no knock on the Pac-12 here, but you know the Pac-12 does not sport the kind of uh, defensive prowess that the SEC conference does. And not saying life will be easier on Jake should he win the job every weekend, but basically kind of saying that, if that makes sense. Yeah, Chris Camerani from The Athletic joining us on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Uh, we saw, and I think Andy Ludwig was very, very emphatic from spring ball on, right right from the start, you know, Tyler Huntley a lot last year running the ball, and then uh, Ludwig just basically saying that's not going to happen this year. Uh, what type of runner is Bentley? Um, I wouldn't say he's the sneaky athletic that, Justin Herbert is, but I think there is a kind of a comparison there to be made that he can extend plays with his legs if he needs to. Maybe not to the level of Cam Rising either, but he's not going to be a statue in the backfield. Um, and again, I mean, Utah loses Zach Moss, who is uh, a legendary figure in the program now, but they have a bunch of talented guys coming back who can do different things in the run game. And I just think that I, I just have a hard time even looking, looking into the crystal ball. Does Utah even have a emphatic number one next year out of the backfield to compliment Jake. My guess would be you're just going to see Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore. And, um, I assume this new kid from Texas, Ty Jordan, who was a former Texas commit, will, will factor in just because of his ability um, in the speed game. So it's going to be, uh, I think, Andy, you could see Andy open it up more and throw it more next year just because of the amount of returning players that Utah has on the outside. I mean, we forget that Britton Covey hasn't played since the fourth game of the year, and by by next fall, Britain will have uh, basically an entire year off to recover from his knee, and Brandon Keithy's back. Everybody's back except for Damari Sipkins in, in terms of the skill position players. So Andy and Jake and Cam Rising, they'll have a, a lot to uh, deal with next year. Yeah, you know what I find interesting? That, you know, they started Huntley his sophomore year. He goes seven and six and then gets better as a junior got injured, but he still was better. And then in senior year, he turns out and has a really good season, obviously a great season. I'm wondering with Bentley coming in next year, do you think that that helps obviously in the short term, but do you think that stunts it if he ends up playing the whole time for the following two years, because rising could have got more experience next year and been ready for 2021 or none of that matters. You're playing to win games now. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, you can make an argument for either side. I I think the fact that Utah has so much returning talent on the perimeter um, bodes well for a season quarterback to come in and capitalize on that. Um, I mean, Cam Rising is a talent. The Utah staff loves him. There's a reason why he chose to come to Salt Lake. But the reality is he's never had a Division One snap to, in his years as a college player. And, I mean, Jake Bentley started 33 games in the SEC and started since his true freshman season. So um, I, I think the fact that Utah does have so much returning talent next year is going to play a factor in, in Jake likely winning the starting job. Now, again, that's just my opinion. Um, Cam could come in and blow the doors off and, and be the guy. I mean, you were there a couple of years ago, PK. None of us really foresaw Tyler Huntley beating out Troy Williams, Troy's senior year, and that happened. Yeah. So who knows? You never really know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes it makes it interesting, though, and that's what we want. We want storylines that are interesting, and this kid coming in certainly makes the spring camp 
more interesting. And then obviously into August makes it more interesting. And for guys like you and me, that's what we yep. live for. <laughs> so, we, so good we, for live to, we live yeah we live to annoy the coaches with the same regurgitated questions every single availability you're right all right hey i'll see you at the ball game tonight thanks for joining us yes sir thanks bk all right that's chris camerani from the athletic